0: I've witnessed the change in first-line antimicrobials massively. I remember having to call up the microbiologist to prescribe a carbapenem during my first year of medicine. And now it's given out without any of those previous barriers, it's sometimes prophylactically for certain patients pre-surgery. And this just demonstrates to me that the huge shift we've had in the need to utilize antimicrobials that were otherwise under lock and key. Um, And I mean, just on Monday, I had a number of different uh, simple, quote unquote, UTIs that were resistant to the first three antimicrobials that were used. And we're really at a loss because diagnostics is an issue as well. I still have to wait three or four days to get the culture results. I still need to wait for blood culture bottles. And that, again, leads to the utilization of broad spectrum before we can refine exactly what the microbe is that we're dealing with. So there's a whole bunch of different issues going on.
1: Absolutely. And I think in the, in the UK, we're doing quite well. We've reduced the use of antibiotics in general practice by over 7% over a three year period. And despite increasing use in hospitals uh, and uh, increasingly complex case mix, we've stayed static in the hospitals till COVID. I mean, we're waiting for all the data to come in from COVID, but it is clear from some studies that most patients who go on ventilators are getting blanket antibiotics. So I am worried about what's going to happen, but time will show.
0: You mentioned one thing there about um, the uh, discovery or the production of new antimicrobials and how that hasn't changed for uh, a number of decades what is the issue with the production of new antibiotics um is it a funding issue is it uh, an attractiveness issue for the actual pharmaceutical companies in that they're not as profitable as other medications is it a combination of all those things or some other things that i haven't even thought about
1: well it's both of those um we pay very little for antibiotics We uh, have been conditioned that way forever. They're off patent, many of them. Uh, That leads to another problem, the security of supply that we could talk about, but there's usually only one factory. and When the pip factory burnt down, we had 20% of the supply for 18 months while they rebuilt it. But um, the problem is, if you don't pay much, then the pharma companies say, Ah, this is hard science. And then you've got to pay for the clinical trials and the registration, and then they back off. So we had across the world to put more money in at the research stage. And we're now looking at so, how do you persuade companies to invest in this area? And I'm really proud because our NHS is leading the way on this with a pilot where we are in the middle of choosing two drugs, um, one just come onto the market, one coming onto the market, antibiotics, that will um, be valued in a totally different way. So NHS working with NICE, working with the pharmaceutical companies, they're gonna look at the cost of the drug based on its value, not just to an individual patient as NICE normally does, but, Um, to the NHS as a whole, stopping that before it spreads, Um, to uh, the drug kit, you know, is it novel, um, do we need it, and to society as a whole because these are global goods and we really need to value them better. Um, And we're doing it by a subscription methodology, so we're going to pay them up to $10 a year each year for the drug the antibiotic, which means that then doctors can use them when they really need them and it won't impact on the bottom line of the companies. So they're not piling them high to sell them and to make their profit. We've agreed a value for that drug and we'll use it as little as we can.